Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, which is unofficially sponsored by Ruby Coffee Roasters that was just being poured, That's as right. well as Luke Tennis from Melta, as well as Brickhouse Coffee Co. Yeah. and Coffee Coffeehouse. You guys are horrendous. We got a lot of, a lot of unofficial sponsors. <laughs> I'm going to say it until someone tells me to stop saying it. And other I'm not than you. It. Yeah. Other than you. <laughs> other than what? Tim. Yeah. So here's what is in this episode. And uh, let me go ahead and pull up that uh, template that tells us. So we're going to have a few announcements here. We're going to have some listener feedback, listener thoughts that we're going to share. And then we'll do the thing that we always do, talk about some books. And then the main content of the episode, as well as the final meditation in God's word, is from Hebrews chapter one. Mm. And so we just got done with Refresh Conference. And Andy just expressed his refreshment through the consumption of that drink. Oh man, this is, so just, I just have to rate this coffee. If this coffee were rated, I would give it a six and then I would add four. It would be a six plus four. This is a 10. I really like this coffee. <laughs> okay. It is so good. What? That's a way to say it. It it's is. A six. It is. But in all, four. in all seriousness, Luke Tannis, thank you so much for the coffee. We are loving it right now and we are enjoying it on the podcast. Perfect. Any other thoughts from Refresh? <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Go ahead. So You I, talked to like a million people. I did. So I will say that I think part of the unsung, well, it's probably sung enough, but the unsung goodness of Refresh. Yeah, the speakers. Yeah, all the all that stuff. Th- that's all good. But I just like seeing old friends who are in ministry, who were in school when I was. Like a half of the people I talked to had Hebrew with you, Tim. We were all in class together. So I really like the fellowship and I like meeting new people. So it was good. I just really like that part. It was encouraging. I had a work, uh, couple of workshops I was part of. I, I talked about the Song of Songs, which I had some really good feedback from that one. And then we had a Q&A on uh, Christian nationalism, uh, which, which we had some really positive uh, attendance and feedback on that as well. So the Moscow Mood episode came up yeah. from our Thinklings episode uh, a few weeks ago. So yeah, good stuff. I got to see an old college roommate, Jonathan. So that was fun. Yeah, I got to actually spend about an hour with him. He skipped a workshop and sat in my office and we got to chat for a while. <laughs> he also skipped a session for when we got together and I won't name names, but he skipped a session intentionally. <laughs> can, I, can I just comment on that man's glorious beard? He has, has an nice. amazing beard right now. Like that it, guy, is nice. it is nice. He impressive. has many great features. Has a nice beard. <laughs> Listener... Jonathan and Charlie All right. were in my very first year of Greek and they go way back. And yes. It's it's just if you want to like a, a a friendship that will remind you of Lewis and the friendship chapter four loves, I I think mm-hmm. I could safely say it's you too. Fuller's a good dude. Yes. I wish he lived closer. Yeah. But uh, I'm never gonna live in Michigan. No, so. he, he's imprisoned in that horrid state with that horrid gut. Uh, never mind. He's a troll. <laughs> he's a troll. <laughs> okay. <laughs> every so, every youper just horrid. rejoiced. <laughs> For weekly wisdom this week, uh, I'm going to share a quote. I get the week off. And I'm going to give it essentially no context, but I'm just going to share a quote. <laughs> now, there is, and there's, these are spicy quotes. So there's a call out on the page here. It's on page 190 of Song of Songs for Singles and Married People Too by Tim and Angela Little. And so on page 190, the call out, which is not my quote, is 
The wife is not a doormat, an object for her husband's sexual pleasure. So that's pretty good. I just want, when you said these are spicy, I'm like, number one, Charlie, nothing that you do is not spicy. But number two, when you open that book, I'm like, what are we going to get? Oh, boy. I actually thought the sentence right before the call out, I liked it, you know, like a term of, you know, personal taste. I liked it better. And here it is. In the Garden of Eden, the husband was the head of the household, but the wife was the leader of the bedroom. I think that should have been the call out. Whoa. Anyway. <laughs> That's your weekly wisdom. <laughs> There's our weekly wisdom. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. So this is the spicy edition. I like this. I like this. And actually, I give that five out of five peppers. Yeah, there you go. There you go. It's, <laughs> Tim can tell us more about that later. <laughs> <laughs> Listener thoughts. Uh, and so <laughs> what? do you, do you want to talk about the first one? Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> okay. So. This morning, we are drinking coffee from Glorious Ruby Roasters, and we are not using the normal coasters that we do because listener, friend of the podcast, Paul Avery, shout out to Paul, has made us these really awesome wood grain coasters with the Thinklings podcast uh, on the top, and they look really awesome. So we have three of these. So these are now the unofficial, official maybe? coaster of the podcast and so 100%. these will be on we'll put these on social media today you'll see some reels it looks like tim's trying to do one right now so anyways <laughs> uh paul tim doesn't know how to reel tim or andy <laughs> paul in all seriousness we are very thankful for those and you have quite a bit of talent he uh, also made me a gift a cutting board with a quote from psalm 90 teach us yes. to number our days so anyways shout out to paul Awesome. We got a couple others here. So I was at a local coffee shop, our unofficial sponsor, Porchlight Coffee. Porchlight Coffee. And I had one of the baristas walk up to me and I was sitting at the back right table, you know, from my vantage point. And she handed me a card that said, <clears throat> you know, hey, someone just bought you a free drink and it's like a free latte card. And she said, they didn't want you to know who it was. And then I then got an email a little bit later that was from thinklingsfan at gmail.com and still anonymous, still don't know who this is. And they said, hope you enjoy that free coffee. And so do you just want to give a shout out to whomever that was? So what was their email? Thinklingsfan at gmail.com. Thinklings Nation, do what you do and just spam that email with <laughs> oh, yeah. right now. Spam them. <laughs> say, say we love you. Say we're thankful. Just just be encouraging to that guy or gal or whoever yes. it is. <laughs> and since we're not like an official entity, like a nonprofit organization or an LLC, we can't officially take funds from you. We will take free cups of coffee. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> For a bag. So you guys are on. horrendous. Uh, we're awesome. I'll do the third one and then Tim, you can yeah. mention the fourth one. There. All right. <clears throat> so. Also at Refresh, Dan Wirtz stopped in. He's one of our, I, we've known him forever. Forever. He was, he's so awesome. And uh, a pastor in Illinois, mm -hmm. Fosterberg. And uh, it was just fun to see you, Dan. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Anytime you're here at, on a Tuesday morning from like 8 to 10, stop by and we'll take a picture with you. Yeah, show up. It'll be great. And man. He has a great beard and the handlebar mustache going on. Yeah. Like, that's I think the mustache is really what seriously, sets him apart. It does. It's just next yeah. level right there. Like, And uh, shout out to Emily Archer. Uh, thanks for your feedback on the number 16 episode. So uh, we do see this as a ministry. You know, we're helping people draw close to the Lord and to his word. So when we get that feedback, it's really encouraging. Yeah. So appreciate that. We feedback. really appreciate that. <laughs> All right, we have some Thinklings business to tend to. 
books and business. Let's talk about some books. And I'll go first since uh, I have the main content of the episode. And so a while back, Andy was gifted some books. I don't know who gifted them because it was shrouded in mystery. Dr. Vidaya. No idea who that is. No idea. And uh, it was some uh, Tolkien things. And so the one that uh, I guess I unofficially claimed was uh, Smith of Wooten Major, or is it Wooten Minor? I can't, I don't know. And then the Farmer Giles of Ham. Yeah. And so that's two short stories of Tolkien. So in this little book, it's like 50 pages each or so. One's a little bit longer than the other. And so I kind of just sat down. I needed a break on uh, Saturday last week and just was like, well, let's go ahead and just uh, read through this. And it's a cute little fairy story. And so I will emphasize it's a fairy story, not a fairy story. Fairy, F-A-E-R-Y is the type oh, of story that it not is. It's not an F-A-I-R-Y. <laughs> and uh, there's a, an essay that Tolkien wrote on fairy stories, F-A-E-R-Y. I'm so sorry. Playing an Instagram reel of myself <laughs> over there. And so uh, Tolkien uh, criticized like the modern rendition of fairies, like cute little tiny women that have magical powers. He, he looked at fairy more like a, a mysterious place, like fairies, a location. And so, huh. uh, and, and in this story, fairy is a place that the character goes. And so, uh, huh. it, it kind of gives you insight into that essay uh, on fairy stories by Tolkien. And so it's a cute little story. It's fun. There's some, I, I read the, it's actually for Andy's Weekly Wisdom months ago. The opening line of that story is kind of funny, you know, where it's like, it's kind of a long distance depending yeah. on the length of your legs, you know? And it's <laughs> that was a good quote, by the good way. Good little opening line. But yeah, anyway, just a cute little fun story. I would uh, recommend it for, you know, anyone wanting a, a brief fiction children's thing. So... Uh, for my, <clears throat> excuse me, for my books and business, I have The Lord Bless You and Keep You, The Promise of the Gospel and the Aaronic Blessing. Uh, this book came out this last summer, I think, yeah-ish, maybe fall. Um, by The author is Michael Glodo. So uh, what is this book about? Well, it's about the Aaronic Blessing. And this is another one of those texts in the Old Testament that was very important to the Old Testament world, but we've kind of just disregarded it. I'm going to read it to for you. It's in Numbers 6, verses 20, uh, 22 to 27. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. So this is known as the Aaronic Blessing. It's uh, embroidered on my prayer shawl, uh, my, my Jewish prayer shawl. Uh, it's a very significant passage in the Old Testament, but as Christians, we often ignore it. Michael Glodo's written a book about the Aaronic Blessing. This coincides with um, Stern's Your idea of studying the blessing of God. Hmm. Uh, this would be one of the key Old Testament passages. Within the Aaronic Blessing, uh, he highlights the idea of the face. The Lord make his face shine upon you. What does that mean? Yeah, smiling. Yeah. Okay. And he talks even just about beauty and how we think of the eyes as the primary indicator of facial expression, but actually it's the mouth. Oh yeah. Which would be depicted Mm -hmm. through which he mentions in the introduction. 
So I'm still just beginning this book. I'm only two chapters into it. Uh, I'm gonna, the jury's out still, but the idea of the ironic blessing, I've wanted to study it. I mean, it's in, buried in this passage in Numbers chapter 6 with all of these weird regulations before and after. Uh, so we often ignore it. Um, but this is a really important portion of the Old Testament. So uh, Michael Gloto, he's kind of introducing me to the topic. I haven't been too impressed with the book thus far, um, but that's what I'm reading right now. And I'm really interested because I've not gotten very far in my blessing study, but I'm very excited to work with you on that for the OT part of it. Yeah. I think that'll be a great team effort. And then that should make good yeah. future camp sessions. Out of yeah. It. I was in Romans 13 about, you know, bless those who curse you. Mm-hmm. It was like, yep. oh, you know, blessings, not just to be something you yeah. bestow upon your children or the people that you love, but even upon your enemies. Mm-hmm. So good, good thinkings. So this week I am going to try. This is my accountability. I'm saying it on Books and Business. See? So next week, I don't know if I'm going to owe you a bag of coffee, Charlie, or what if I don't get this done. Careful. I know. I'm scared because I'm... You can owe me a bag of coffee. (laughs) We'll split it. We'll split it. Okay. If I don't get this read by next week, I owe you one bag of coffee between the two of you. You don't even make coffee at home, though, Charlie. That's the thing. I do sometimes make it at work, though. You do sometimes... Oh, okay. Well, I would I would. actually do do need more beans. I'm out of beans at work. Ooh, okay. Someone, we won't name names, but they do work at Blue Cow. Mm -hmm. They pushed the vacuum button on the vacuum seal container I have. Mm -hmm. So removing the seal of my beans, that would have kept much longer, and then they stale, staled. Because they weren't compressed. Like they weren't, you know. Their name wouldn't rhyme rhyme with like Moe Mung or anything like that. I don't know if that was who it was. Oh, okay. Okay. It could be anyone. Keep coming. So here's the book I'm going to read. It's called A Gospel Primer for Christians, Learning to See the Glories of God's Love by Milton Vincent. Have you guys read this? Yeah, I actually think I've mentioned it on the podcast way back in the day. Yeah, he did. Okay. I have not read it. I've sold a lot of them at the bookstore, and it's been recommended by a few people. So this one that I'm holding was a gift from Ben Hartwig like seven, eight years ago. It was very kind of him. And I started it, I think I've started it twice. And then recently a friend mentioned it and I was like, oh, I should really like get into this. And this is the first time I've read it with um, how to read a book thoughts in my head. Like look, mm. at, the, look at the chapter, uh, the table of contents, what's he saying. And I think I'm going to understand it and get more out of it this time because I'm approaching it from a, like as we record this episode today, I think I will see some tips that I'm doing. So, so far yeah. it's interesting. I, is this... I'm wondering if this is the book that popularized this, the language, preach the gospel to yourself every day. I'm not sure. So he talks about that. And that's where I'm curious. So I think an older point of reference for preach the gospel to uh-huh. yourself would be like navigators and, you know, the pursuit oh. of holiness by bridges. It's from that. that. Okay. Those, okay. I'm, I'm not confident. So maybe he's but, getting that from there. And so, yeah. Okay. And so actually if you thinklings listeners, if you want to go back and listen to, I don't even know when that was. I think I pulled that same thought of like, I'm not really sure what I think about this preach the gospel to yourself stuff. Mm -hmm. He had some, I don't know, I don't want to say critical, but it was like a, we we weren't like just swallowing the whole thing. Sure. We were discussing it. Not in love with it. Yeah. So that's the thing. (laughs) You're not not giving this the heart emoji. It's not a heart emoji. I mean, it's okay. Okay. I mean, it's like a smiley face emoji. I I would have to go back and listen to my thoughts to remember what I think. Well, next week we'll talk about it in Books of Business. Because you're going to read it. If I don't, you guys are getting a free bag of coffee. <laughs> and you're going to, and you'll get a horrendous. We'll oh, talk yeah, about, well. We'll talk about this in a future episode. Yeah. 
I'm not sure if I would unashamedly recommend that as a formative book to other people. Like you can, without <clears throat> reservation, let all of this form you. Okay. I think you do have to be a little bit more critical as you read it, okay. but that I could have been wrong. You know, I can come back to it and, yeah. you know. That's so funny. You said the Jerry Bridges thing and I just looked, the fourth chapter starts off with a quote from Bridges and yeah. Bridges. I love Bridges. I understand he's, he's got theology issues. So yeah. anyways, that's that. And I've only read a little bit of it. What I've read, I enjoyed, but it's been like seven pages at most. So Charlie, why don't you tell us what's in this episode? Oh, look at the look at professional that. segue from t Tim. I'll give you five light bulbs for that. Good job. You are growing, brother. So what is in this episode <laughs> is a return to the series on Hebrews 1. There's seven Old Testament quotations in Hebrews 1 as the author of Hebrews explains how Jesus is better primarily there than angels. And so we are looking at a couple of those uh, quote, actually, it might just be one quotation. I can't remember. Uh, but we're in Hebrews 1 and uh, get into some fun, like, where did they get this from type of discussion. So, hope you enjoy that. And thanks for listening. Whoosh. All right, let's have another conversation about Hebrews chapter 1. We're returning to a topic that we discussed uh, about 10 episodes ago around Christmas where we're looking at Hebrews 1, we had some descriptions about the Messiah, and then we're in this section where the author of Hebrews is quoting from the Old Testament to justify or substantiate his claims. And so uh, what he's doing is he's creating a very strong Christological statement in chapter 1. He's described the Messiah in seven very beautiful and rich ways, and those descriptions were he is the one whom he appointed heir of all. So the Messiah is the heir of all things. The Messiah is the one through whom he created the worlds. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds all with the word of his power. He is the one seated at the right hand of the majesty on high, having made purification for sins. And he's the one who's become as much greater than the angels as the name he inherited is better. And it's that last description that turns us into these quotations is that the Hebrews, you remember, are Jewish Christians, most likely, who are being tempted to abandon the new Christian faith to go back to Judaism. And there are claims being made, perhaps, why would you worship a God who became lower than the angels? Your God was born as a child. How could you worship him? And again, there would be strong motivation to turn back from the gospel to avoid persecution. And so the author of Hebrews is sort of combating that idea that Christ was lower than angels. And you can see there, he has a better name. And that last description, focusing on the comparison to angels, becomes the substance of the next section in Hebrews 1. That leads the author into seven Old Testament quotations uh, that follow those seven descriptions of Christ. The author reveals his basis for making these claims as the Old Testament. So he's, he's trying to prove his point from the Bible, which is wonderful. Uh, in episode 166, we looked at the first two quotations, which were from Psalm 2 and 2 Samuel 7. Both of those verses had the catchword, which is the Son. 
They were focusing on the name or the title that Jesus as Messiah has in comparison to the angels. Jesus is the Son, the Son. And the rhetorical question in verse 5, has God ever called an angel his son? No. The significance of those passages is that they both carry a strong flavor of Davidic kingship, that not only is Jesus that Messiah, as that Messiah, as the Son, he will be the eternal Davidic king. The author of Hebrews is saying a couple of things all at once. Jesus is the Son. The name Son is not a title or position any angel ever has had or will have. And Psalm 2 and Psalm 7 tell us that the Son will be the future king. Jesus is the Son and the future king. The next verse, which is what we're going to talk about today, Hebrews 1.6, adds another quotation that's going to highlight the position of the angels in relation to that Son and that King. So Psalm 2, 2 Samuel 7, he's the Son who will rule how do the angels interact with that son and king? So uh, why we're looking at this, why we're dedicating an episode to one verse, is there are a handful of, I have an air quotes, fun interpretive questions in this verse that we will discuss. And then we'll get to the pinnacle question, which is, where is the author of Hebrews quoting this idea from? So ultimately, we will see, again, Jesus is the guy to be worshipped, both by the angels and by us, the the reader today. Jesus is the guy. The guy. Instead (laughs) of that guy. Yeah. Parlance. Anyway, so uh, a couple of introductory points, but let's go ahead and read the verse. And so, Andy, are you queued up or am I queued up or is anyone queued up for Hebrews 1.6? I got it. I've got everything here. So go ahead, Andy. Hebrews 1.6. But when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. Awesome. So we have a couple of introductory, fun, interpretive things here. The first concerns that word you read that says again, which the Greek prof, what word is again? Should be palin or palin. Yes, palin. I always think of the time when Sarah Palin runs again. I'm waiting for that day to make I that joke in Greek class. <laughs> so set that up. Uh, the, the main interpretive ideas here is if that word is functioning as a temporal uh, adverb or adjective type of an idea. So the key temporal function, or if it's just a conjunction. And so if again means something with time temporal, it is when a second time or again, God brings the son into the world. Like his second coming. Yes. And, and that is a very common interpretation of the again, is that something is going to happen with the angels and the son when he comes again. And so that would be a key interpretation of again, is, is, that, is, the, is the parousia, the coming idea. Is that the right view or do you... Well, there's another view, okay. and there are many other scholars who take the idea that it is just functioning as a normal conjunction, as if he's saying, and here's another passage, you know, and again, here's another thing. And we're not going to really delve into that word specifically, but it does kind of start painting a picture for us. There's something that's going to happen between the angels and the sun in this quotation, 
And the idea is, when is it happening, perhaps? Or if when is even a thought of the author of Hebrews. So just keep that in mind. What does again mean? The second, there's a, a title given here to the Son, and it's a very common title. Well, it's not a common title, but it's used in other New Testament passages. He's described as the prototokos, the firstborn, prototokos. which is mentioned in Colossians chapter 1. He's, he's the highest rank. And so it's not the idea that Jesus was created or he's the first thing created and then creates everything else. It's, it's a positional title. So when again, or again, here's another verse about it, the firstborn comes into the world. So what's being pictured is Christ as the highest rank is beginning to come or coming again into the world. So what you're picturing is Jesus, number one rank. We don't know exactly when or where yet, but that's who we're looking at. God is bringing his firstborn into the world. So that's number two is, is just the idea of what that firstborn means. And it's a rank. The third fun interpretive idea here is what world means. So we hear world and we instantly think planet, universe. Well, more specific. Oh, Falcandra. Uh, oh, Earth. Earth. <laughs> hey. And and so two uh, light bulb emojis. So now think are of, horrendous. And this is where the interpretation of again has to be uh, so is important. So if again <clears throat> is referring to his temporal second coming when Jesus again comes to the earth, so he incarnated, that's his first, and he's going to come again. Mm -hmm. Then here the world could refer to the earth. That would make sense depending on your interpretation of again. So is he a second time coming to the earth? Like his incarnation, he's going to come and conquer. Another idea, people who don't like the again as a temporal idea, they think that it's the heavenly realm, the heavenly world. And so instead of Christ coming in his second coming to earth, he's ascending after his resurrection. And that's where this scene takes place with the highest ranking son and the angels. So that, that, that interpretation of again decides for you, sort of, if this is the first ranking son in his coming to earth, or it's the son, the first rank in heaven amongst the angels in either location. So, yes. So are you going to tell us your view? I, I'm leaning towards the ascension idea. As opposed to the second coming? As, a, as opposed to the second coming, I would say what's going to happen between the angels and Christ, it, it works for either. But okay. I, I, would, I, I like the conjunctive idea for, again, rather than the temporal. But there are great scholars who take both sides. Sure. So it's, it's not that relevant really to the conversation. It's an interesting, fun, interpretive thought, but, but it's not going to drastically change okay. your theology of the sun. I had another thing. The word for world is not the normal word for world, at least that I expected. Mm -hmm. It's oikumene, which is like the earth as an inhabited area. So that seems to be like the physical earth focused yeah. And we're, we're not going to dive any much that's farther to that. That's not that helpful to the conversation. But that, that's, uh, the term is, words are important, but you know, that's, that's where interpreters are going to take the different routes. Is, I see. 
is it physical earth or is it like heavenly realm? Sure. And yeah, I, I, I like both, both are fine. All right. Sounds both good. Are fine. This is just a tidbit for the audience. It may not even matter, but you had mentioned views on who Christ is and you said he's not like the first created being that then created everything else. That's the Jehovah, Jehovah's witness view. Yeah. And uh, that that them and I think the, uh, well, the Mormons are totally different, but so just listener, if you have any exposure to Jehovah's witnesses, they would not think he was eternal. They would think Christ is a creation and then God endows him with power. Which is unrelated, just a theological tidbit. Heresy. Heresy. And this would be one of the texts that they would go to to argue for their view. Yes, this is, they, they use have, this. But they have misunderstood the word firstborn, which the is not our, right. The other, the other thing, just since I used to teach on this, the other thing to remember about Jehovah's Witnesses is they have their edition of the Bible and so when we have different versions, like translations, we're, we're talking about the same almost underlying text, or maybe we think it's this word or that because we have evidence, and then we translate it differently. You have to understand with Jehovah's Witnesses, they actually go into the text and change the Greek. Uh, and it's, it's really, it's very, very unauthoritative in my mind. Unsavory. Because we delved into that apologetic discussion psalm eighty nine twenty seven is a clear reference to where firstborn is not a reference to like first Creation. in the order of birth yes but the highest uh the the, the preeminent one mm-hmm. so if you're like well i've never heard that before is there any scriptural proof for it yes psalm eighty nine twenty seven. so we can and then colossians 1 15 yep. also yeah. very clear christ is the preeminent mm-hmm. the top uh, not speaking of him being created, but he is over it all. We, we are uh, high Christology. As the one who podcast. created and sustains. Yeah. And so uh, all of that. So Sorry, you, just an aside. Just Sorry, look at I... the characters that you're going to have here. So in either the earthly realm or in heaven, at either a future again coming or at his ascension to heaven, you have the firstborn. We haven't yet seen what the angels are doing. And that's where we get to this Old Testament quotation. And we have to decide what the author's quoting, which it's time for some Bible study, baby. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's do this. So We need like a sound effect for that. Yeah, we do. Remember, so Bible study. What, what most people <laughs> are. It's Bible's time, Bible study time, hey, baby. We got to get going. Oh, yeah, we got to go. So, uh, yeah, Tim, time stay crunch. on task. <laughs> so Watch it. What Whoa, people reversal. are trying to decide and pretty much any translation that you have in English is going to notate somehow that we have some controversy with Hebrews 1.6. So controversy isn't the right word, but uh, we're not sure. People are trying to decide. So if we read Hebrews 1.6, the quotation in ESV, it reads, let all God's angels worship him. In the uh, ESV Bible, if you look down, uh, you will see a notation of Deuteronomy 32.43, which is the last verse of what, Tim? Uh, The Song of Moses. The Song of Moses. And if you turn to Deuteronomy 32.43 in the Old Testament, so in the same Bible, flip back, it then says, Rejoice with him, O heavens, bow down to him, all gods. And there are a handful of footnotes uh, to that verse. And you'll notice, well, that phrase, like all God's angels worship him, wasn't in Deuteronomy 32, 43. You're like, hmm, well, is he quoting from that? 
So uh, there's a footnote then there in Deuteronomy that then points out to you that the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Masoretic Text, and the Septuagint all kind of bounce around together on this. So if you get a Septuagint <coughs> translation, so that would be the Greeks, uh, a Greek uh, translation of the Old Testament of Deuteronomy 32-43, it reads, Rejoice, ye heavens, with him, and let all the angels of God worship him. You're like, ah, there it is. Uh, Rejoice, ye Gentiles, with his people, and let all the sons of God strengthen themselves in him. And so what you notice is if you compare these texts side by side is that the phrase is not really there, and it kind of is pulling a term, angel, from a later part of the verse and putting it with an idea from the front. So let all the angels of God worship him. In the actual Septuagint text, that second phrase doesn't have the word angelos. That's in the third phrase of the Septuagint rendering. So they're like shuffling it a little bit in the English translation. And so what? And you're like, what in the world is going on? So this is a train wreck. Yeah. So another idea is that this phrase in Hebrews 1 6, instead of Deuteronomy 32, comes from Psalm 97 7, which says, Worship him, all you gods, which again, if you'll note, is not let is not exactly let all God's angels worship him. So it's closer, but it's still not that wording. So now let's look at the New King James. Okay, so we were just looking mm-hmm. at an ESV Bible. If you have a New King James, Hebrews 1 6 reads, Let all the angels of God worship him. And it says directly there, mm-hmm. this is Deuteronomy 32 43. So then if you look at the footnote, it says, Deuteronomy 32.43, and in parentheses, Septuagint, Dead Sea Scrolls, You're right. Psalm 97. That's awesome. And what they're trying to tell you wow. is not, we're for sure on this. What they're trying to tell you is, we're not for sure on this. They're like, look at all these other things. It could be. Wow. If you then in the New King James Bible turn to Deuteronomy 32.43, it says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people, which was different than ESV. <clears throat> It says nothing about angels in New King James. You're right. There's a footnote in Deuteronomy 32.43 in the New King James Bible that says, A Dead Sea Scroll fragment adds, And let all the gods worship him. Compare with the Septuagint in Hebrews 1.6. Wow. (laughs) And and then if you were to turn to Psalm 97 in New King James, it says, Worship him, all ye gods. So you're like... What in the world is the Hebrew uh, author of Hebrews doing? Is he quoting from Deuteronomy 32? Is he quoting from Psalm 97? Is it some like strange compilation? Is he like making something up? And, you know, I think those are, you know, worthy questions to seek an answer for, which is why we're talking about it. So in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which is, you know, the Septuagint, which, you know, we shouldn't really put the on it because it was translated over a multitude of years. It probably began with the Torah or the Pentateuch. Man, Tim is grabbing old thick the books OC off prof- his professor just grabbed some books. People. And so it probably started with the Pentateuch in Alexandria, where a lot of Jewish Christians, or I guess not Jewish Christians, but people wanted the Old Testament text of the Old Testament into Greek. And so they translate probably starting with Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. 
that then would have trickled through the rest of the Old Testament canon into the Psalter. What is noted at the end of the Septuagint Greek translation of the Psalter is uh, there is a book of odes, and its other songs would be maybe a way of saying it. Not to be confused with the Odes of Solomon, but there is a book of odes, Greek translations, uh, at the end of the Greek Psalter. And in that, there is a translation of the Song of Moses. And in Ode number two, at the end of the Greek Psalter, this phrase in Hebrews 1.6 is almost word for word noted. No. So I would posit that he's not actually quoting Deuteronomy 32.43 from his Hebrew Bible. He's not trying wow. to. He's not even quoting the Septuagint's translation of Deuteronomy 32.43. He is quoting the Greek Psalter, Ode number two, huh. I think is what the author of Hebrews is doing. And then from that, you gain some insight into what the interpretation of those verses were. But I think that's what he's quoting, is this ode at the end of the Greek Psalter, which is a specific translation of the Song of Moses. Now, Tim can like rip me to shreds on that if he wants to. But as I've read through some different materials, I think that's where I'm okay landing. And so uh, if you read this at the end of the Greek Psalter, here's the translation of the Song of Moses. Rejoice heavens at once with him and let all the angels of God worship him. That phrase hmm. is exactly matching <clears throat> Hebrews 1.6, wow. except for the article assigned to angel. Huh. Uh, so it's a hoy uh, oh, there. Okay. That's the only difference between Hebrews 1.6. Okay. Now to be confused with, you know, the... People on uh, Mars, the Hoi. <laughs> the you know, Hoi. We're not talking about Huin and Hanoi and all those people. No. <laughs> this is a Greek article. And so that phrase, let all the angels of God worship him, is almost identical to that phrase in the Song of Moses at the end of the Greek Psalter. You guys have an amazing capacity to bring the Ransom Trilogy into we do. <clears throat> any conversation. It's ridiculous. That's right. You're Amen. Horrendous. Hey, you have to resist all the bent ones so, in the world. Um, I, I will reserve the right for Tim and Andy to jump in and Tim might even come and help me clarify because he's the Old Testament scholar. I just grabbed a couple of good commentaries and tried to sift through this. And so wanted just to help you in your Bible study at Hebrews 1.6, you're going to turn to these passages and you're going to see these footnotes and that's what's going on is they're pulling Septuagint, Masoretic text, Dead Sea Scrolls, the Odes, and they're trying to figure out where in the world does the author of Hebrews get this from? And the point is made regardless of where it comes from, which we're going to get to in a moment. But if I was going to pick right now, I would say, I think he's quoting from that Song of Moses translation at the end of the Psalter. And I, I think this is, aside from what you're saying, I would just say that what I like about this is, Christian, you look at the footnotes in your Bible, and it's, it's not that we don't know the text. I mean, it, it, we're trying to figure it out, but you have to understand how many times do we really have this kind of an issue come up with the Bible? It's super rare. It is shockingly preserved. 98.5% of all the major translations, the underlying text is identical. It's like a very slim amount where we're like, how is this there? And here we know what it says. We're just trying to figure out where it came from. That's it. That's all. Yeah. And it's, it's really, I think it's actually confident building yes. in your scriptures. A hundred percent. Yeah. And so that's just like, you know, dip in your toe. Maybe we're getting up to our knees and like, where's the quote from? But if you look at the context of those passages, 
the point that the author of Hebrews is making is substantiated and supported by any of those contexts. So Deuteronomy 32 is the song of Moses. He's singing the story of God calling his people Israel and Israel then turning to these other idols and God giving them over to these other nations. But then at the end, God will conquer those nations and bring Mm. his people back. Mm. So everyone will rejoice Mm. at the conquering of the Lord. Psalm 97 is almost a similar, maybe not as strong of the victory language, but God is reigning over all of the earth, Psalm 97, verse 1. And why would anyone else worship anyone other than the God of Israel? He is the God. Hmm. Does that sound familiar Hmm. to what the point of the author in Hebrews was making with those first two quotes? Jesus is the Son. He is higher than any angel. And so what's going to happen here is very similar to what Moses implores in his song and what the psalmist in Psalm 97 implores is that the writer of Hebrews is saying, look, the angels are below him because they, at this point, all worship him. Hmm. Yes, Tim. So just to clarify for the listener, because I was really struggling because I had my English Bible open and what he's staying and reading is not corresponding to my English Bible. So what the discussion concerns in Deuteronomy 42, uh, 32, 40, was it 32, 43? Yes. 32, 43 is that the um, Dead Sea Scroll manuscript, okay, has this Hebrew uh, document, and this would be the translation of Deuteronomy 42, 3243. Give his people ringing acclaim, O heavens, and worship him, all you gods. So the gods would be the angels. For the blood of his sons he will avenge. Yes, he will return vengeance to his adversaries. And to those who hate him, he will requite and atone for the land of his people. And there are some Hebrew scholars that believe that the Masoretic text has actually erred because of haplography. Haplography is a technical textual t- criticism term where different char- same, the same characters, they look exactly the same. So a scribe would have accidentally skipped over a line of the poetry and missed it. Yeah. So there's a fair amount of debate about it. But if you're wondering, my Bible's not corresponding to this. The reason is because... Yeah something potentially is missing. And most modern translations are going to give you some notation of what they're trying to do, why theirs reads the way it reads. And uh, it's it's a fascinating textual criticism, uh, uh, fun interpretive idea. Either way, if it is, you know, some hypography of Deuteronomy 32, and he's trying to quote that, but he's quoting a different version, or he's pulling his phrase from Psalm 97, or... You know, I sometimes like obscure things. If he's quoting from the Greek Psalter of the Song of Moses, the point what he's making is, why would you abandon the Son of God because he's lower than angels? Do you realize when God conquers the earth with that Messiah, all of those angels will worship him? So, Psalm 97, anyone who worships any other God, this is my translation, are silly. The Lord reigns. Hmm. Why would you worship another? Hmm. And this is the point that the writer of Hebrews is going to bring up as he warns his readers in chapter two. If you understand who the son is, 
you need to worship him. And why would you abandon because, oh, well, angels are greater than the sun. Angels are so much greater than Jesus. You know, how could we worship an incarnate little baby? Well, that baby ascends. And hmm. either at that ascension in heaven or at his second coming, guess what all the hmm. angels do? They're not higher than him then. They bow. Amen. And uh, it's a really big roundabout way of saying uh, what the angels are doing, you should do now. Uh, the, they worship the Son. Why would you consider Christ, even though humbled in incarnation, to be positionally lower than the angels? If they worship him, you should worship him. And that's the point that the author's making. And so, uh, to use our phrase, Jesus is the guy. You should worship him. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinklings Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or potential topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can contact us through our email, thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, don't let this conversation end with this podcast. Read good books, talk about them with your friends, and always continue to cultivate your mind. See you next time on the Thinklings Podcast.